What's up, everybody? This is Colby. Before we start this episode of the Colby Cast, I just want to let everybody know that, for some reason, my brain decided that Percy Jackson's name was Percival, not Perseus. I know his name is Perseus, but for some reason, for the next hour, I go back and forth between calling him Percy and Percival. We even have a, ta- a, a discussion about Ready Player One and how the main character's name in there was Percival. Maybe that's why, but it could also be because our brains may have been a little bit waterlogged from all the rain here in Southern California over the last 48 hours. So yeah, we're going to go with that. I'm going to blame it on the rain like Millie Vanilli. Oh, now I want to sing. Blame it on the... All right, you're going the right way for a smack bottom. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. On this episode, Caleb, Luke, and I, we're going to talk about the last four episodes of Percival Jackson and the Olympian, Olympians, as, also known as Percy Jackson uh, and the Olympians, the Disney Plus show that has now been completed about a week ago. They dropped the final episode. We have our first season in the books. So without further ado, hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello there, Luke. Hi. Is his name actually Percival? It is. It is Percival. I wish I didn't know that. Uh, well, I mean, I could just start the recording over and not mention it, and then you wouldn't know it. Yep, that that would work. Okay, let's do that. Uh, actually, I want to ask you guys a question. <laughs> uh, did you guys see that featurette that um, Ryan Reynolds dropped about that movie If that was that's directed by John Krasinski? Did you guys see that? Yeah, it that was, was so hilarious. Good. Oh my gosh, I got to tell you, I lost it. I lost it. I'm glad you guys had a chance to, to, to see it too. Because, so for those of you out there that have not, go check it out. Maybe I'll try to tweet it or something out. You could, you guys can find it easily there. But there's a new movie, it's called If, and it's like live action, but it has uh, animation mixed in with it. And it stars Ryan Reynolds and one of the characters is voiced by Steve Carell, also known as Michael Scott, also known as Gru, also known as hilarious dude who plays hockey that you actually got to meet one day uh, a few years ago, right, Luke? That's the homie. Yeah, he's your homie. Um, anyhow, so they released like this teaser. I guess they're going to do a trailer for the Super Bowl, which is coming up soon. And um, they released this feature like John Krasinski talking about the movie with Ryan Reynolds, except Office fans, if you haven't seen this, you got to check it out because we're all Office fans and we all nerded out. Randall Park was saying he was John Krasinski. (laughs) And the whole time, like they leaned so hard into it every single time. They started showing like behind the scenes footage of Randall Park acting like he's John Krasinski directing, um, uh, Steve Carell and the reason that this is so funny is in case you haven't watched The Office there's this cold open to one of the episodes where Jim Halpert plays a prank on Dwight Schrute who's always doing this and he and, and Randall Park is acting like he's Jim Halpert and they just pull this huge prank on Dwight Schrute so um, I just thought it was hilarious what did you guys think about this whole thing and about the movie itself if 
Great marketing. I mean, what a way to just completely get everybody who watched The Office to be interested. To be honest, I was kind of indifferent about the movie until I saw that. And then that just reminded me how much I love John Krasinski. So now I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to have to watch it. Um, but it looked really good. I was very impressed with how the uh, how the animation looked. I thought it looked great. Steve Carell's voice is always phenomenal. And I think it's going to be great. I mean, the those three people that you just named, um, Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, and Steve Carell, they don't miss. So the three of them collaborating together, I'm sure is going to be great. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the concept of the movie is very cool. I think it's another one of those kids-friendly, family-friendly type movies that adults can enjoy. Um, hypothetically, we'll see how it actually turns out. But um, just to have the wherewithal to make that just a promotion is just so funny because it's to people who don't, who haven't watched The Office, which, like, Are You Living Under a Rock, which is more than acceptable, but I'm still going to judge you. Um, like, if you haven't seen it, it's weird, but it's still quirky and funny. But if you have the history and the love for The Office, like many of us do, um, it's just, like you said, it brings in a whole fan base to automatically want to watch the, the movie. Whether or not there's going to be kids in the theater, we'll see. It's exactly what happened to me with this because, you know, leading up to the new year, you know, I was going through like, oh, what movies are going to be coming out? You know, we do a pop culture podcast. Maybe we should be informed as to like what's going to be actually uh, joining itself into pop culture. So I would go through like, oh, movies 2024, TV shows 2024. And I remember seeing the the title of this movie, If, on some of the lists that I was reading and – I had no idea what it was about. I had no idea that Krasinski or Ryan Reynolds or anybody was, I had no idea what this was. I remember only seeing the title of the movie, but then as soon as I saw this come across my social media, I am so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited to see this movie, not only because it's directed by John Krasinski and the incredible marketing that they just, uh, they just used to sucker me in, but also Ryan Reynolds, hilarious dude, Steve Carell, like you guys have said, can't miss, but I really like the premise of the movie. They were talking about it in the featurette. Like this young girl uh, is going through something and she uh, all of a sudden starts to see other people's imaginary friends. So it's a live action thing, but the imaginary friends are all animated. And I think Luke, you mentioned the animation. It does look great. It looks so good. I can't wait to see uh, what's in store for this movie. So I'm super excited about it. And then Ryan Reynolds, um, he knows how to talk to me too because he said it's like a Krasinski slash Ryan Reynolds Pixar movie. And as soon as he likened it to a Pixar movie, then I'm like, okay, if I wasn't already in, I'm already in. I'm now more in. So, uh, you know, I don't have the release date in front of me, but now I can't wait. Uh, and I can't wait to see a trailer on Super Bowl Sunday, which seems like we're going to be getting. Uh, so, yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm excited about it. And you know us here at the Colby Cast. Uh, oh, Luke, were you going to say something? Have you guys seen Crazy Stupid Love? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's that the one with Steve Carell works. and um, that guy from uh, Barbie, Ken. What's his name? Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that's the one you're talking about, and, right? Yeah, and Emma Stone. 
Yeah, it's great so movie. Great movie. If you like Steve Carell, we'll watch Crazy Stupid Love. It's so good. Yeah, it's inc- it's a really good movie. I remember seeing that for the first time, and, and <laughs> there's a big twist, and, and um, and it's not really a big twist. It's just it's sort of a fun way to connect some of the stuff going on. So, um, you know, and and we're here to talk about Percy Jackson, of course, but you know, we like to chat, we like to catch up, we like to share some thoughts on certain things, and I wanted to have a little bit of fun before we get to our Percy talk. I also saw just before I saw the featurette about if. I saw this thing. I have no idea if it was an interview. I really don't even know what the context of this is. But I saw a tweet that said that the creator of Danny Phantom wants Tom Holland to play Danny Phantom. And I thought it was sort of funny. Okay. (laughs) I thought you might be. Because it just so happens that I walked into the living room yesterday. And what were you watching, Luke? You were watching Danny Phantom. Like mom and I had been out for a few hours and there you were after her, after coaching a hockey game, decided to spend your Sunday afternoon watching Danny Phantom. And here the universe puts this right here on our plate. So I thought that was sort of hilarious, but it got me thinking. Go ahead. I was going to say, I've been doing a lot of my busy work while watching old shows from my childhood on Paramount Plus, like Ned's Classified School Survival Guide. <laughs> or the Rugrats, or Danny Phantom, and it. it's made me more productive. Love it, love it. I'm glad Paramount Plus is coming through for you like that. Um, but it got me thinking because we just did an episode last week of our Mount Rushmore of animated characters. Danny Phantom was not mentioned, but still doesn't matter. He's an animated character. So if you haven't had a chance to go check that out, go listen to it. It's it's, it's a fun fun episode, and it got me thinking like. If we could fan cast one of our Mount Rushmore animated characters, who would we choose? Um, so I asked you guys, pick one of your Mount Rushmore characters and give me an actor who would who would um, play that person. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I feel like mine is very easy. I'm just going to go with uh, Up and the only person. No, I'm going to give you options and you can you guys can vote. And as you know, a vote of two that ends in a tie, I I am happy to break the tie. But um, Mr. Fredrickson, voiced by Edward Asner, Ed Asner, RIP, love that guy. I think he is one of the few, like they didn't intentionally make it to look like him, but they didn't not make it to look like him. So I think he would be a great um, Mr. Fredrickson. But I think a second, a very close second, or even a tie, I just love him as an actor. I think he would do a great job of finding the balance between being the nice guy and the like the old dog who you can't teach new tricks. And I'm going to say Michael Caine. Michael Caine is the best and I think him as Mr. Fredrickson would be something we aren't used to seeing from him, but I think you'd do a great job. That's that. really good. That's Batman from um, Batman. No, not Batman. <laughs> it's Alfred. <laughs> the other Batman. Oh, it's Alfred from um, the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Isn't he a knight? I think he is, Sir Michael Caine. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was knighted. I like that. Like dark knighted. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't no. think he is. 
Well, if he isn't, then it's a travesty. He should be. So there, make it happen, King Charles. Is that what? Who does it? The royal family, right? Yeah, I think they just have like some random cousin who like doesn't do anything, just in charge of standing in a line knighting people. Do you think they have to pay for it? Like the people that get Hollywood Walk of Fame stars, they have to pay for those. You know that? They pay. Thanks, capitalism. There's like a whole, (laughs) like a whole nominating um, committee or whatever. But okay, Michael Caine. Uh, I I would nominate my maternal grandfather to play Carl Fredrickson because (laughs) he sort of looks exactly like him. He has the short, crew cut, cropped hair and. Sort of like a bulbous nose and a lot of big wrinkly face, but that's how I remember him anyway. Uh, Luke, who you got? Um, mine are a little difficult, so I'm gonna go. They are yeah. with Batman because there's plenty of people that I would love to see play Batman, and mine is gonna be Michael Sarah. I saw. I'm kidding. I don't. I, I mean, I would love to see him as Michael Sarah or as Batman, but like you know, maybe like I, in a like ironically, yeah, in a satirical way. I would also. I'd like to see him in a lot of things. Um, but speaking of him, I gave myself a segue to talk about this. Um, I saw a video of him. It was like a fake behind the scenes thing where he was pretending to do a scene where he started arguing with the director. And nobody else on the set knew that him and the director were in on it. Nice. So they thought that they were actually arguing. And he like, they started like cussing each other out and everything. <laughs> and he like stormed off and was like, fine, direct your own movie. I don't care. It was really funny. Um, but I would like to see Kit Harrington play Batman. Kit oh, Harington, that's that dude from Game of Thrones, right? Jon Snow, yes. I would love to see him. He's a little small. For my liking for Batman, um, I like some big, beefy white dudes as Ben or as uh, Bruce Wayne. That's why I liked Ben Affleck. But Batfleck? Um, yeah, but he, he was a good Batman, but wasn't a good Bruce Wayne. I think Kit Harrington can do both. And especially since Edward Paddington Bear did such a good job, or Robert Paddington Bear did such a good job as Batman. Edward, because he Edward. played Edward in uh, the Twilight movies? That's all he is. He's Edward. Um, <laughs> but he has sort of opened my eyes to um, skinny white dudes being able to be Batman now. So I'd like to see Kit Harrington. You know, I uh, I think it's super cool. Like, what do they call Like, EGOTs when you get all, like, the awards ever, pretty much yeah. become Thanos of, like, the fame world. Yeah. Um, I think it's so impressive that a guy like Kit Harrington can be a part of the best, arguably the best show ever and the best movie ever. Isn't that insane? Are you, are you, about the Eternals? are you talking about the Eternals? Yeah. Absolutely. I am. <laughs> Peak cinema. Peak yeah. Well, I, the, um, what's her name? Um, his sister, the Re- Sansa Stark, the actress for that, she was in um, the Mutants movie, the new. Oh, yeah, she, movie, right? she was. She was. Uh, she was Jean Grey, and the yeah, and that the, movie, the, did the younger, awful. It, yeah, I don't even know where to watch that movie. I, I never saw it. Yeah, she they was. They can't. Jean they won't let you. <laughs> um, it's an interesting pick, John Snow. 
Uh, I, I, he's a he's a really good actor, so I'm sure he could pull it off. But who knows? You, you never know. Like James Gunn has his new DCU that he hasn't. They're gonna have a Batman movie, but they haven't cast Batman. They haven't done. I, he even said on Threads the other day that he has. They don't even have a script yet. So there's all these rumors about the new Batman casting about to be released, and he's like, "We don't even have a script. How can we have a Batman?" He could be lying completely, but it, you know. Anyway, I'm gonna use the curveball for. for go ahead. Did you say threads? Threads, yeah. You know, the Twitter, Instagram. Who uses, who uses social media anymore? I just use birds again. Or <laughs> can I string? <laughs> um, you just reminded me of, okay, here comes the last airbender reference. Uh, Sokka, when he bought that <laughs> that bird, because they had all this money or whatever, because they were scamming people. Oh, yeah. And he bought this bird. <laughs> Yeah, hockey. <laughs> it was hockey. And, and he, they would like, he was like, yeah, I want to send a message. They're like, well, how does he know where to go? <laughs> and he just flies off. You never the see better, hockey again. The best part of that entire interchange is when Ahsoka and Toph are fighting. And Ahsoka? They're to, Ahsoka? Oh I turned into you. <laughs> I turned into you. I don't know how I did that. That is such a bad mess up. Um, keep rolling. Let's go. Uh, Katara, not even close. Uh, the other Ahsoka. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Katara and Toph are fighting and they, uh, they're writing back to each other, but not writing back to each other. It's like, oh yeah, this is from Katara. It's like, I'm blind. How am I supposed to read this? <laughs> yeah. And then they send it to Katara and Katara is like, she's blind. How is she supposed to write this? Yeah. And they're like, That's oh, I guess we didn't really think that through. That's the, my my favorite episodes of the Last Airbender. Those dumb side little things that just they just get super silly. On uh, anyway, I'm so excited about the Last Airbender. There's just enter the obligatory watch Last Airbender um, uh, show. You won't. That's it. why I'm still so like suspect with this new live action. I feel like they're gonna get rid of all the kitty goodness and growth and all this different stuff. We shall see. We shall see. Luke, you were gonna say something. Oh, I was just going to throw a curveball for somebody I would like to see as Batman. That's uh, Michael B. Jordan. That would be sick. Be, I think he would be a great Batman. I mean, he's he's like a real-life Bruce Wayne anyways because he's just so cool. But when you see that guy get yoked, I mean, you oh see him gosh. in Creed. That yeah. guy is huge. He, so wouldn't need like, he wouldn't need like a muscle suit. He literally just – Yeah, like, like they did with, uh, those... with Ryan Reynolds, right? He was just so Ryan, he was so big that they took the muscles out. Ryan Reynolds, what are you, what are you talking about for Deadpool. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about Green Lantern. <laughs> I love that movie. I still love that they made a joke in Deadpool about Green Lantern when they were taking him to go blast him with whatever to turn him into Deadpool. He's just like, uh, just don't make my super suit green <laughs> so or animated or animated, yeah, like CGI or whatever. So my pick is going to be um, my my choices were also a little bit difficult because <laughs> like two two of them are already uh, live action because I chose Ahsoka, Shrek, Mirabelle from um, Encanto and uh, Ang. Well, Ahsoka and Ang we already have live action. Shrek he had a Broadway musical I think at one point, and plus I don't know I, I thought about doing Shrek, but he would be so made up with like prosthetics and stuff. I was, I wouldn't be sure if 
I don't know if the the person playing him could would come through. So I chose Mirabel, and the first person that came to mind was Stephanie Beatriz, which is who voiced Mirabel in uh, in Encanto. Um, but there's a little bit of a problem with that because there's an age difference. Like Mirabel is like 15 or something, and Stephanie Beatriz is is already a grown up. Um, but she did a magnificent job voicing her, so I'm sure she could do a live action as well. Um, but then I had to go to the internet for a little bit of help, and I came across like a fan casting of Mirabelle already, and somebody said Rachel Zegler, who was in uh, West Side Story. So clearly, she's Colombian-American per Wikipedia, who which is always right, so you know clearly she's Colombian American. Um, she's got, uh, she's got the look for it. She's got the right, you know, she can sing, uh, cause she was in a, a musical already. So I think she would do a great job, but I landed on this and this is my fan casting for Mirabelle Encanto, the lady that plays her in Disneyland, because she is absolutely like a carbon copy and she does a magnificent job. They have a little area in Disneyland where the kids can go and meet Mirabelle and take pictures. And she sits down and she talks to them and she has fun with them. You've seen, I'm pro- I'm sure you've probably seen stuff on, on Instagram of like her walking around with a little girl dressed as Mirabelle. And she does, I'm sure there's a couple of them, but they all do a great job. The one that I saw when mom and I went there a couple months ago, just knocked it out of the park. So props to the lady that plays Mirabelle at Disneyland you should do live action. There you go. So thank you for indulging my uh, little side quest. Speaking of quests, how'd you like that? That was pretty good. That was pretty good segue. That was good. That was good. Thank you very much. I don't get it. Uh, Oh, so let me explain. So we just had a little side quest about the animated characters and then Percy Jackson was on a quest. So that was my segue to go from not Percy Jackson to Percy Jackson. Are you? Are, am I explaining it correctly? I thought you said quench. <laughs> <laughs> you need more sleep, my friend. <laughs> no, that was a bad joke. Percy Jackson and the Olympians season one is in the what books. What do you call it? Percyitis? Percival. But we're not talking oh. about that because Luke, that bothered Luke, remember? Oh, yeah. Percival. Uh, also, Percival, another side quest. Another thing we watched, because it was raining like cats and dogs in the Los Angeles area yesterday, so we didn't really leave the house once it started raining. We watched Ready Player One on, um, I think it's on Netflix. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool movie. I'd seen it once before. And uh, it's a cool concept. Uh, and it's coming to a headset near you, <laughs> Apple Vision Pro. It's like becoming yeah, reality seriously. pretty soon. Anyway, I the main character. That, I can't believe that movie put columbus ohio on the map and therefore the state of ohio and because of that movie um the kid from akron the one and only king james lebron james was able to uh make a career in the nba michael jordan yeah no idea they invented columbus just for that movie yeah isn't that crazy no 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 they invented columbus just for um the guy that basketball player you just said james king james LeBron James. Is he the one that can knight people? Actually, I think he's from Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Did you did you not hear my entire long walk for a short drink of water? I just took a drink of water, so I don't know. What, what, did you say? I thought you, you said Columbus. You didn't say Akron. I thought you said quench. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Ahsoka. Yeah, hashtag Ahsoka. <laughs> 
What were we talking about? How in the world did we get here? Every time I hear that phrase, I always think of Chicken Little. Every single time. What are we talking about? What was <laughs> great, great movie. You mentioned Chicken Percival. Little. Percival. Percival is the main character in Ready Player One, and he's also Percy Jackson. So Percy. Percy Jackson. And the Olympians. Season one in the books. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, episode five, episode six. Episode 7 and Episode 8. And can I tell you right now before I say spoilers, 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 spoilers for those episodes, spoilers for the whole season, potentially spoilers for the books, potentially if you haven't read the books. I'm not going to tell you to go read them all and then come back and listen to this, although you absolutely have the right to do that. But just be aware, I don't know where this conversation is going. Um, I don't even remember (laughs) too much about the books anymore but uh your both of your brains are much fresher uh in in the world than mine is so anyway that's a spoiler warning for the books potentially possibly too go ahead caleb i really suggest reading the books because i felt myself i think they did a great job setting the story regardless of reading the books but because i have the history with the books as we all do in this amazing podcast that we do. Um, I wish I would have remembered all the details as vividly as I used to because here and there I'd be like, oh yeah. And I would just have a lot of moments like that. And just to start the conversation, I enjoyed the second block of four episodes way more than the first block. I loved the last four episodes. Love it. That's great. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed not knowing what was going to happen. That was kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the second half more because there was less Grover. Grover was a Grover. Grover was a stud in these episodes, and I know you guys took him to task in the first few. But uh, you know what? I want to bring up episode five right off the bat, and that's and the, Grover's a good jumping off point. Episode five titled a God buys us cheeseburgers. And can I shout out the titles to all the episodes? I absolutely love them. They're just like the books, just right on the right on point with the tone. And I, I really enjoyed the episode titles. Go ahead, Caleb. Do you think that guy would, uh, the guy who wrote the song titles or song titles, the episode titles, I'm doing great. You do Um, need more sleep. (laughs) I, I think I'm beyond help at this point. Um, do you think the guy or person who had one job of writing the episode titles would write our episode titles too? For oh, free, that'd be no, cool. No, no bonuses. Um, I'm not sure if it were if it was Rick Reardon that wrote those episode titles because he certainly did for the titles and the the chapters in the book. But if it was Mr. Reardon, we're extending you the opportunity to write episode titles for the Colby Cast. Don't yeah, want to pass he, that up. He owes me one. Maybe I'll finally find Does me. he? I can't tell you uh, about it though. You have to tell me that off the air. Yeah, definitely. Um, a God buys his cheeseburgers. I thought Grover. So this is the one where they met Ares. And um, can I just say the dude that plays Ares? Perfect. He's he's so good. I thought he did such a great job. And I really I I thought about you guys when I watched this episode because Grover. He he uses his intellect like he gets Aries talking and gets some valuable information out of him. 
So you guys didn't think um, Grover had a better second half of the season than he did the first? I think he had a great episode. I That's what I had come to expect from Grover. He was always the mature, resourceful, do it or die trying type of uh, approach. So having see seeing him use his wit, use his knowledge, use his not necessarily manipulation, but he's definitely trying to get information out of him without being abundantly obvious. Um, I loved it. I thought like, why didn't we just get more of this from the get go, especially when they set the the foundation of him having prior experience with Thalia and Annabeth and all these people like that's my issue with him to begin with. And having him see, like, see that page turn, no pun intended. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. I wouldn't say, like, he had a better or worse first half and second half. But I just like character growth. And because I expected so much of the character, it made me enjoy it that much more. I would prefer that you intend all of your puns. So don't worry about no pun intended. I, I do, but I feel like it's just, like, correct to say no pun intended so i don't get hate mail yeah i know we have a problem with that luke did you have something that you wanted to add about grover yeah i think he had a better second half than he had a first half um i actually didn't mind him in the second half which was nice um and i agree i think he was more resourceful i think he was um actually like you know he wasn't dead weight which was nice because in the books he's Annabeth is still the leader, you know, they still kind of do what she says, but he very much has a say in the way things go. And when he talks, they listen. And um, I'm glad that he started pulling his weight more. And especially as Annabeth sort of took on her own role, um, like, especially toward the latter, I think it was just in the finale, but, you know, they sort of separate and it's Percy and Grover and Grover was actually helping lead Percy, not just Annabeth. And that was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I like to think that you, both of your strong feelings on Grover, Luke, you, yours more in the beginning of the series and Caleb, yours maybe more throughout the whole thing, was just rooted in both of your absolute like undying affection and love for the character from the books. Because we talked about it like last time, you guys read those right in the wheelhouse of who they were written for. And I just love the fact that you guys love that character Grover as much as you do. So um, yeah, uh, Caleb, I think you wanted to add to that. That's 100% what it is for me. I It's 100% rooted in expectation and bias. I don't think, I think they got across what they wanted to get across in terms of Grover as a character in the show. But to me, when I was a kid, I was like, screw Batman and Robin. This is the best like dynamic duo. Get me. <laughs> like I would draft Grover as my sidekick any day of the week because of how great he was in the in the book. I enjoyed Grover from beginning to end, and I complained that we didn't get to see his legs enough in the first couple episodes, but we really got they got the budget for the legs in the last four episodes. We got to see his legs uh, a lot, which I really enjoyed. It's one of the things that I would think about so much as I re- read the books is how would this look as he's walking, you know, this satyr. So um, another thing I wanted to bring up about this episode, though, and this is the one where they go to Waterland and they're in the t- the uh, that lot li- that the ride what is the tunnel of love and they're there to get aries helmet 
he's basically giving him a, a bargain, like, go get my helmet and I'll help you out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they go. Before you go on. Yeah. I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up. The funniest part of the entire show is when they're listening to one of the most all-time classic songs ever. And they're like, oh, what is this? Oh, was this in the Tunnel of Love or was it in the uh, the casino? Where they're like, which, which, oh, yeah, song? I think I've heard this song somewhere in the optometrist office. Hey, like, uh, absolutely calling it old. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I think it's the Tunnel of Love. I think per- okay. Percy says that, yeah. I thought it was so funny because it would make all like the old heads so angry, but everybody <laughs> that is in that demographic in that age range would absolutely agree. It's like, what is this? Like, why are they playing this? <laughs> it's hilarious. This episode for me is where like it, it really gripped me. It, I haven't, I, I had enjoyed it uh, every episode up to this point. You can go listen to our episode where we talk about the first four. But this is where, to me, things got serious on a thematic and tonal level. Because when you remember they have to make a trade to get this helmet, they need this helmet to continue with their quest. But one of them has to sit down in this throne and basically be be turned to gold. So one of them has to sacrifice themselves. Percy decides to do it. And... What I really loved about this episode was Annabeth's conversation with Hephaestus when he comes out over, you know, and he's sort of up on that gangplank or that little walkway looking down where they're at. And she advocates for Percy. And I thought it was so great. Not only did Annabeth do a tremendous job, but she explains to him, look, your family is a mess. You guys, she explains to them everything that is wrong with what the gods have been, how they've been treating each other over the course of their existence. And she admits to she wanted to be like that. She wanted to fit into that. And she says that Percy is not like that. And she would rather be like Percy is. And I thought that was really, really powerful. And based on that logic, Hephaestus actually sees, oh, you know what? this young person is right. (laughs) And he lets him go. And I just, the whole theme thing for me of this episode sort of reflected on the larger arc of the series, which is these three characters, these three young people, they use their wit and their intellect so much more than their skills, their abilities or their muscles or fighting. They use their brains throughout the whole series to solve the problems and to continue moving forward. Now there's cool action and there are some fight scenes, but I thought that this was an incredible example of that Annabeth talking to Hephaestus. So uh, any final thoughts on episode on episode five before we uh, move into the, the next bullet point? No cool. best cool. line of the whole show was in that episode though. Was it the optometrist one? optometrist that was so funny i love it uh okay episode six we take a zebra to vegas and this is one that i had had circled from the beginning as soon as i read that there was going to be a series a tv series i couldn't wait to see how they presented their take on vegas because it's such an interesting part of the books that I was super excited to see how they did this. So Luke, 
uh, I, we've all talked about it. We've all talked about, oh, uh, we, we were looking forward to Vegas and seeing how how that happened. So episode five, I'm sorry, episode six, we take a zebra to Vegas. How do you think they did, Luke, on uh, on showing us what Vegas is like in this world? They tried their best. I'll go with that. They tried their best. And I appreciate it. Um, it wasn't as good as it was in the in the movie. I mean, I hate to be the guy to compare it to something else that has nothing to do with it, but the movie just killed it. Um, but I thought they did well. I thought they did well for what they had. Um, the music was good, and it was... I liked seeing two or three 14 year olds try to drive a car i thought that was funny um that part was good (laughs) good. i thought it was a good episode but i i was trying really hard not to compare it to the books or to the movie but with the vegas episode i had to compare it to the movie and it didn't hold up for me but it was still good that's interesting because i have zero recollection of the of the movie at all i don't know if i'm going to go back and watch it but i don't remember vegas being in the movie i don't remember very much of the movie if i'm being honest and uh that goes for the sequel as well but i did hold this up very high on the pedestal based on the book and i agree with you in that i don't think that it matched the the book and the and the effectiveness of what he was trying to say about Las Vegas in the book. But I thought that they did a very good job be, because it was so subtle to me. And before I go on my thoughts, I want to hear Caleb. What did you think about the, the, the Vegas episode? I always just try and figure out, I try and like get my ducks in a row in terms of comparing what's in my imagination and what's in front of us, because no matter how good something can be, it will always be compared in a good or bad way to the way you thought it would be in your brain. It's why some people hated the casting of like uh, some of the characters in like Harry Potter and stuff, while other people think it was like the best thing ever. It's your imagination and what you would picture it to be. I think one of the few things that the movie did well was this, but at the same time, I thought it was too far on the other side of like making it seem like an alternate to drugs or alcohol in the movie. While this was just very forgetful time was passing at a a faster rate, higher rate. Um, But I think they did a good job of not making that the point of the episode rather than just the placement of the episode. So I think the story that, went through vegas was still equally as effective but i I didn't catch myself being like oh yeah this is better or worse than i expected because the story just still held true i think you you sort of helped put some words into my brain about how i felt about the way that they handled it because you're right in the book it was very much a um like a result of where they were, right? They didn't realize what was happening. And as readers, we really didn't realize what was happening. And I think they nailed it in the show with, with the subtlety of that, because I thought it was going to be something big and dramatic, like the video games. Like they just got, they just got stuck playing video games for what seemed like hours and it ended up being days, but no, they got sucked in 
by talking to Hermes for longer than they thought. And I was waiting for the video games. I'm like, where's the video games? And they did get to it. They got to like a VR type of arcade, which is very modern. And I thought that was a good update. You know, you're not going to really have lots of um, traditional arcades in Vegas right now. You're going to have more of the modern stuff. And I thought that, that they did a good job in that. But when they realized what was happening and the fact that they didn't have to eat the lotus flower, but it was like the lotus um, scent being pumped through the the uh, the vents, uh, and then they realized that they had been there for days. I really like how they pulled all that off. Yeah, I also think of it from like the PR aspect of it all. This is now Disney. They're not going to send a bunch of what we presume to be like twelve, maybe eleven to fourteen year old range into Vegas and have them get drunk or high. Like they needed to spin it in a different way where it's not like what's what's the word? Dramatizing? What what is it? Dramatizing. Dramatizing? Thank you. Sure, we're gonna go with that. I don't know if it's correct. No, I added too many syllables. Dramatizing it too much, but again, effectively getting the point across. But that's just my opinion. Really, that was the big thing. And then I was a little disappointed that this was a shorter runtime. And I, I don't normally uh, find myself complaining about um, episode links, except for when I really just want more because I'm like a greedy Star Wars fan. And Mando was only 35 minutes on one episode rather than the, the hour and a half that I want, <laughs> which will never happen. But um, I do think that they maybe maybe they will learn this lesson. Maybe they were just trying to play it safe for this this first season, but I think they could slow down and make the episodes a little bit longer and explore some other things because there's so many things in the book that they could mine. And I know that they have to find a balance between um, overdoing it and not doing enough of it. Uh, I think they may be erred towards not not enough of it in this in this instance, but I would have I would I guess I would have liked to have seen more in this episode of, of Vegas. I do think that it was pretty cool with um, uh, Grover finding his relative and they were searching for, for pan. I like that they keep bringing that up because it plays into further stories, but I, I enjoy that. And of course I have to mention my guy, Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hermes, love the casting, thought he did great. Uh, and anything he's in, anything he does, I enjoy. And I'm glad that he's a part of this show. Is he the guy from uh, what is it, uh, Phantom of the Opera? No, no, he's he's from Cats. Oh, like the live action movie version or the theatrical mm-hmm. version? Yeah, the one with Taylor Swift, the live action Taylor Swift Cats movie starring the Lin-Manuel Miranda. Or the the post edited, the prequel, Kittens. Kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, he's Hamilton, bro. All right. So we're going to leave Vegas. They jump in and I do. I'm glad Luke that you mentioned the driving the car. I thought that was a very funny scene because here they are like demigods and like these mythical creatures. And they can't, they can't put the car in, in uh, reverse. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to hop in that taxi cab. We're in Santa Monica. Um, oh, the final, uh, final scene of that episode is sort of where he gets confirmation that Poseidon is on his side. Cause he goes into the ocean, right? And he sees that, Oh, I didn't write the name of it down. What was that? That, that creature, mm, uh, the name is evading seahorse. me. 
Yes, she, she sees the seahorse. Uh, but I thought it was cool because then he, she gives him the pearls, right? Four pearls. It says, go save your mother. So that was a pretty cool way to end that. All right, so let's jump into episode seven. We find out the truth, sort of. This is where we... Uh, another thing I was looking forward to seeing was uh, how are they going to give us um, Cerberus, right? The three-headed dog. I thought that was a lot of fun in the books. We got to see him. They go to the underworld. They get they go through the fields of uh, Asphodel. Um, they realize that there's a bigger threat. So a lot of setup, a lot of uh, this sort of blows out the whole story in this episode. What did you guys think about this this one where Percy visits the underworld, Luke? I thought it was hard to see. It was very dark. But it was good. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I watched um, the episode on my computer and I had to turn my brightness like all the way up. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I actually watched it on a TV for once. Um, huh? and it what? Was, yeah, and it was, it was dark. So I stopped and I watched it on my phone like a normal person. <laughs> um, but that was a really good episode. I think it was the best episode of the entire show probably oh interesting what what makes you feel that way it was um i think it, it was exactly what they were going for where it was still serious um but there was an element of you know being a kid and still not really knowing what you're doing even though you're in the most dangerous place that they could possibly be in um, and I liked the way each character behaved in it. I thought that every single character was, um, you know, they were doing everything they could to help each other, but at the same time, they were, um, still looking out for themselves and Percy wasn't helpless, you know, um, Annabeth was her normal self, but Grover was actually taking care of himself and taking care of Percy. And especially when they got separated, um, I think it sort of showed that they had gone through everything they needed to go through up until this point and that we were sort of seeing a uh, more refined product. Lots of good points. Yeah, we do get to see them progressing down their character arc in this one too. And I agree that they found a good balance. I mean, thinking about this episode going into the series and like they're, they're basically going to like Greek hell, right? This is going to be scary, but the way it was designed, it was, it was, it was intimidating. It was scary, but it wasn't right. Like it wasn't horror movie scary, right? It was adventurous. Uh, I thought it was sort of funny when they're making their way through all the, the line of all the people waiting to cross the river, right? Like you saw like, um, so you saw a, a matador and like his full, in his full matador uh clothing <laughs> it's like clearly they're giving us visual cues of people that are no longer alive right but it wasn't gory or gross or anything uh and yeah i thought it was very well designed uh kayla what, what did you think i i really enjoyed it because it wasn't scary but the fear was palpable f- like just through the acting of or the, like the heroes going through and the yeah. stakes were real and you know, this is the underworld. You have these expectations of things. 
And although it wasn't like the most intimidating thing to see, I thought the like I forget what they called them, but the regret trees and half people have trees. Yeah. I forgot that was a thing. It like it was terrifying to me. Like, it was. I'm I'm a grown man. That scared me. Like I want to know if like kids had like visceral reactions, you know? It was it it was uh the visuals of it was very jarring, but I I loved and the, I actually wrote that down cuz I googled it. Uh don't think that I'm all that smart with the Greek mythology. Um they called those the fields of as uh, of asphodel and the people would turn into trees because of regret and grover mentions that i think uh annabeth still first says it and then grover repeats it when she gets the roots wrapped around her feet and i thought that was a really interesting way of like storytelling because clearly she needed to use her pearl to get out and then you know the mission is starting to fail but also what was her regret what was the regret that got her stuck there that's a opportunity to explore down the road and i think that's that's just so smart uh what did you guys think about hades like you know how because i've i've been bragging about ares i bragged about hermes i love the casting of both of those i didn't recognize the person that played hades um i thought that he he seemed more like a creepy or like a sleazy salesman rather than like the king of the underworld. Uh, what did you guys think about him? Luke? I, thought he, I thought he was good. Um, I mean, I think everybody's seen enough of Hades being big, scary, evil devil guy. Um, That's a good point. In yeah. Like everything that has ever been made about him. So I kind of liked seeing a different version of him. Um, I also liked how quickly he was like, oh yeah, I don't want the or i didn't want the bolt now but i need it now so you know yeah. i'm not uh i'm by no means a nice guy or i'm gonna try to help you um so i thought that was a cool way to show his um who he is as a character without spending too much time on it caleb i didn't think too much of him i thought his dialogue was impressive i thought it was exactly what we were what i hoped it would be um, but I didn't think anything much of who they cast or what he looked like or anything like that. I just paid more attention to like his mannerisms. I think he knocked it out of the park. I liked seeing uh him and Percy playing off of each other because you know we get to see Percy sort of like getting into his whole demigod mode through the whole series. Like the way Percy ends up is so so much different then he started out right and we start to see him sort of flexing those muscles in this episode when he's trying to you know barter or bargain cut a deal with hades right and he's like starting to figure things out so um yeah i thought that was it was that was a cool scene i like the design of like the castle and everything but this is where i can i tell you i'm sorry i, I apologize but i had completely forgotten about chronos and like this larger threat that was sort of the underbelly of this entire thing, completely forgotten about it. And to the point where like, I was confused as to what was happening when they're trying to get sucked into Tartarus. And it wasn't until they got to Hades and they start talking about Kronos and he's chopped up into a million pieces or whatever at the bottom of Tartarus. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. You guys are unlocking memories in my brain. 
And I really I enjoyed that aspect of the show a lot where it was accessing things I really haven't th- thought about in a long time. And at the same time, setting up a ton of stories to tell going forward if there's going to be more of this show. This is the root of it, right? This is the actual... Uh, it's not going to be in every single episode of every single potential season, but this is like the setting up of the end game, right? This is the story. This is the Percy Jackson Absolutely. story, right? Um, so... Uh, I felt I similarly. Was... I felt similarly to the uh, the reintroduction to him, where it's like, wait, did I miss something? Like I almost jumped back, maybe like three quarters of the way backwards, if you will, um, to see if like I missed something, whether I wasn't paying attention or whatever it was. But then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, he's the one sort of pulling all the strings because he's been the sleeping giant. Um, but I can't agree more. I think it did a fantastic job um, setting up what is going to be a huge Goliath level uh, villain. With that being said, and here's a question, maybe you already answered it, but I, I want to hear Luke, your opinion on this too. With that being said, like Kronos is like the big bad, right? It's not Zeus. It's not the lightning thief. Like this is the villain of the story. Uh, and it has been set up. It's been it's been established. Do you think they did a good job of setting him up? If you were watching this this show and you hadn't read the books and you don't know what Kronos means, did that episode or the following episode do a good enough job as to establishing Kronos as the threat that he really is? Um, I don't think so. I think I agree with you. I think it did a good job of setting up Luke as a character, but I don't think that it set up Kronos very well. And I know that it's hard, but like you said, maybe if they would have uh, made the episodes a little bit longer, they would have a little bit more time for that. Um, That's exactly what I'm talking about when I bring that up. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of just like, oh, yeah, this guy, cool. This is the new bad guy. Um, And I think he deserves more than that, especially, like, I don't think they've announced another season. But if they do announce another season, are are people really going to be like, yeah, you know, I met this villain two episodes ago, but I'm ready to hop on board for another full two or three seasons with this guy as the bad guy? Yeah, I find that that's I find it interesting um, that you say that because I ref, I reflect some of those thoughts. Go ahead, Caleb. I'm completely on the other side of everything. I think they did enough, and I think that's enough to pique interest. I think they've made the villain out to be the fact that the gods aren't good parents to their children. They're just self-absorbed. They just they will literally use their children's as pawns to continue to bolster their fame and glory. Yeah, I think they've done a great job of making that the pillar of villainy, whatever. Um, but when we get to know more about Kronos, it's going to be like, oh man, these two things are working together. How are they going to stop it? And I think that's why I remember 
liking books two and three so much. Like they, the first book did such a great job of just gr- like hooking everybody in to read more, but it w- by no means was my favorite one. Oh, so I'm excited yeah. to see what if hopefully it's renewed because I think they established that Zeus, whether it was personally or not, put Kronos in the depths of the ocean or whatever in thousands of pieces and he's very obviously not a threat to them until he really is you see the reaction of zeus and see like oh man like i completely messed this up like i had no idea and i'm supposed to be all-knowing um so because they said father because they gave these little like tidbits of information here and there i think it did a good job of planting the seeds and hopefully they'll be able to really let it shine when it comes to uh to season two or whatever the next steps are for the show well i'm glad that you started to bring up zeus because you're sort of like um slowly seeping into the last episode you see you see that it's a water it's a water uh, pun right there you're seeping in like you're leaking but isn't isn't poseidon the water guy Yes, but I'm saying that, like, because Percy Jackson is, you know, you see. I give you, I give you snaps. Thank you, thank you. That's that's all I'm. That's all I do this for is the snaps. (laughs) I was not prepared to see Lance Reddick as Zeus. I had absolutely no idea that he was involved in the show whatsoever. Of course, Lance Reddick played Zeus. We. we have seen him in many, many things. Uh, one of the, one of the most popular things is the John Wick movies, which we all love, and we all love the the character he plays in those movies. We lost him last year to, I believe, what I read today was a heart disease. So he he's gone too soon, and I was not ready for him to be Zeus. And it just makes me even more sad that he's gone because he was such a magnificent Zeus. That's where I want to start off and, and finish off our conversation here on this last episode. We'll start with Zeus. I loved how they portrayed most of the gods in these in these in this show, just sort of like as normal human beings. Uh, but they were in their roles, right? Like uh, Ares was, you know, sort of like the violent type of leather-clad, roughneck um, Hermes hanging out in Vegas. He's wearing his sort of like his his cool uh, casual clothes, but sort of hip at the same time. Um, And Zeus is in this suit and he just commanded power. Like when I looked at that character, I'm like, you have power. And I, I just, he blew me away. What did you guys think about Zeus in this episode? I loved him. I thought he was great. I, it's such a, random casting but it worked so well um he was terrifying but not in like a oh my god he's gonna snap kind of way but like you said he just commanded authority and i thought that was so cool and he was also you know he was fair but he was also very much self-serving and i Uh think it's important to show the balance between that like they can do good things and still not be good and I think that's exactly what we saw in him. Caleb? I 
sort of just sat back and watched. And I really enjoyed the dialogue between uh, Percy and, and Zeus. And then what sold me with the casting was when he finally has the the bolt back in his hand and his eyes get really wide and he's just mm-hmm. going to zap uh, Percy into oblivion. He's mm-hmm. just going to strike him down. And then that's when I was like, oh man, this was never on my bingo card, but this is awesome because he wasn't just angry. He was seething. He was like, "You're the, you, who are you to tell me this, that? And he was... It was great. I think the acting was fantastic, and unfortunately, we lost him too soon. But I'm I'm hoping they'll find an actor or actress, however they want to go down that road, um, who can fill the very big shoes that he's left. Because just from the maybe well, no more than maybe five minutes of screen time, I think he's done Zeus very well. Like this is just a little bit more than a cameo, but not quite like a supporting role. And man, just just like you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Just in his very short screen time, he just commanded everything. Uh, what did you guys think about Poseidon? We finally get—I think it was in the previous episode that we get—we finally get a look at Poseidon. But this one, we actually get him interacting with Zeus. Um, I have my opinions on Poseidon. I think that uh, that. I think they needed to, he's a little bit too handsome. He's a little too handsome. I think for being a sea God, I think he's, he seems a little bit too refined. Like he'd be hanging out on a yacht. They should have made him a little bit more like me, like ruggedly handsome, you know, like, (laughs) don't you think? Are you, are you saying that your looks second none and you have the looks of a God? Just I, I as usual, more. as usual, you you just you know me. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I did think he he would look more like a like an Aquaman. You know, a little bit more like like sea beaten. He he looked so casual, and he has such a charming British accent. Like he just seemed so casual, but you know he was cool. Uh, Luke, what did you think about Poseidon? I thought he was a good character. Um, how he looked was whatever. I don't know. I, I see what you mean. I could totally see that dude on the yacht in Newport Beach. Um, yeah, right? He's wearing like the breezy clothes. Yeah, but I I think that uh, the dialogue with him and Percy was phenomenal. I yeah. really liked that felt very true to the books um, where it was like he wasn't quite like the other gods where he wasn't totally using his kid for his sole benefit that he actually did care a little bit. Um, and he did care about Percy's mom and all that. And I really liked that, um, he was willing to put himself out on the line for his kid because that was the first time we had seen that where he, uh, you know, he surrendered to Zeus where all the other gods would have gladly struck down any of their own kids for their own self-benefit. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, another thing I liked about the finale was sort of how it starts with Percy versus Ares because Percy clearly can't beat Ares. Like he's not going to kill Ares. He's not going to do something like that, but he, they give us flashbacks of him and Luke training together and it shows another aspect of Percy using his head. Like he remembered the rules. So he challenged Ares 
right to a one-on-one and then he told him uh first to draw blood wins and then he gets him backed up against the ocean where he knows he's going to be the most powerful and then he uses his intellect as a in a combination with his skill to to beat Ares. so i thought that that was really um really a cool way to start that episode and show and then and then Ares straight up looks at him in the face he's like you just made an enemy for life right so cool i thought him going from oh yeah you you're you're gonna fail you're joking right to the complete opposite like you've made an enemy for life was just a a great setup and i thought bringing the scenes back with luke training with percy was a great callback because that was one of my issues going into that episode was knowing that luke was one of the main reasons why all of this is happening not necessarily the reason, but one of the the factors that is making the, the ball roll down the hill. Um, and not having him on screen a bunch, not having him create such a bond with Percy, and then having such an emphasis on the prophecy and the oracle, I was just like, there's not enough of Luke yet. Yeah. But they satisfied that um, that that thing was lacking for me by bringing those callbacks in with the, with the battle with Ares. And I think that that's what I'm saying, like with the episode lengths, like they could have explored more stuff with Luke. I think there, I think there was more stuff that they could have gone down with Luke, especially in the final episode. Like give us some more time to see why, I guess we, I, I understand the, the, I just, I guess feel, I feel like the betrayal in the book is way more powerful than the betrayal on screen. Uh, because maybe we just didn't have enough time to really understand what Luke meant to Percy uh, in the series and as a character. But, you know, I'm not going to harp too much on that. Uh, the last thing about the finale that we get that I want to bring up and then we're going to finish off is uh, just to put the pieces in, in the places. Annabeth is going with her dad. I guess her dad wants to take her to Disney World, which I thought was sort of a funny reference. Take her around New York, and she's like, "I'm going to have to pretend like I've never been here before." And then Percy obviously has his re, uh, is reunited with his mom. He has the nightmare with Kronos. He's a super creepy looking character. I really like the way that they make him look. Um, and then Grover, I think, is really interesting to me because he has his certified flower there. That's t- that's he is now an official searcher for Pan. Uh, and he mentions that he wants to search the seas. Well, do you guys remember what the second book's title is? No. It's the Sea of Monsters. <laughs> Luke's like, no. <laughs> it's the Sea of Monsters. So clearly they have, in this last two episodes specifically, they have set up a lot for further storytelling, yeah. potentially. We don't have an official announcement yet for season two, but I was reading the cast, the executive producers are all out there doing interviews, like actively talking about things that they're excited about what's coming in season two, certain things that I'm not even going to bring up because like it's straight out spoilers (laughs) they're talking about for future stories. And they're just actively talking about it in interviews and I'm not going to bring it up, but they're talking like there's going to be a season two. We just haven't been given um, uh, an official announcement by Disney. So um, 
that's everything I think I got to everything I wanted to say about Percy Jackson. I think it's a super successful show. I'm really looking forward to more. Did you guys have any final thoughts or anything that you wanted to get to that you haven't uh, gotten to bring up yet about the the show? No, I would uh, I would watch season two if there was one. I'm excited for it. I thought it was good enough to get another season. Um, especially, I think that uh, the world building in the books is so good. And if they can get half of that for the show, I think it's going to be a very successful franchise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think they've casted well where they're young enough to have longevity, but old enough and mature enough to not be just perceived as just this show for kids. Um, I think they've set themselves up well enough and expectations are high. Um, I didn't think I would have enjoyed the entire series as much as I did, but these last four episodes, I don't know. I don't know what it was different for me, but I just think the maturity, the tone maybe was what really allowed me to enjoy it as much as I ended up doing. I'm going to just gush over the cast as my final thing because uh, you guys both mentioned it. I, I think especially with Percy and Annabeth, but and then the, even Clarice and Luke, all the gods, the different gods and everything, Grover, they really did a great job casting these characters. I think they not only do they, I, I just think that they really embody the characters uh, the way that I was hoping that they would. Um, specifically Annabeth and Percy. I'm looking forward to seeing more specifically of those two characters and of course more story. So, um, all right, well, that's great. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode and Caleb and Luke, thank you for joining me to talk about it. Uh, we appreciate all of your support. We'd love to hear what you guys think about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So, you know, where to reach us threads. Yes, we do have a threads and a Twitter x whatever uh and be sure to thread us on threads yeah thread us on threads um yeah so go ahead and uh, reach out to us let us know what you think uh so for caleb and luke this is colby reminding rick reardon that we need a season two announcement seaweed brain you can find the colby cast on twitter and instagram at the colby cast if you're wordy like me you can send an email to the at gmail.com Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do.